Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Today, we're going to be picking up where we last left you about choosing your vet. We got so much information. We had to give you two episodes. So keep on listening. As far as choosing a vet, the one thing that I know, I'm not a fan of, but I know that many of the pet food companies work in tandem with certain vets. So vets will get a kickback when they recommend a certain type of food. If your vet is very stuck on your animal should be on this food and this food alone, run, just run. Because that means that the money that goes in their pocket from that pet food company matters more to them than the health of your animal. I'm going to step off the soapbox, (laughs) but that's a preview of what I'm going to be bringing to you when we start talking about nutrition. Mm -hmm. If your vet is stuck in the mud and will not move on nutrition, run. Yes. Just run. (laughs) (laughs) I'm off now. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Now I, now you're a technology specialist. Yes. Now in Canada, that's a little bit, I, the title is different than here. We call them veterinary technicians. I do not believe that you can work as a veterinary technician without a license in the United States. You must have a license to be considered a veterinary technologist. Yes, it's the same here in Canada as well. Just a little on the terminology. When I graduated, I was I graduated as an animal health technologist. However, in the last couple of years, they've changed that terminology, and now they are calling graduates veterinary technologists. So, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> but I still go with the animal health technologist because that was what I graduated, the title I graduated with. So, but yes, I know for myself. When I wanted to work in the veterinary clinics, I had to complete an exam and get a certain grade, much like, you know, you would with a lawyer or a nurse or uh, any of these types of professions in order to get the license. Well, it's not really a license exactly, but it's kind of equivalent to a license. It's, It's a registration. And as long as I pay the fee every single year, I can maintain that registration. But if I were to let that go, then I would need to take that exam again in order to become registered again. That makes sense. So that's something that we also want you to look at when you're choosing a vet is the number of licensed veterinary techs that they have on staff. Who is going to be working with your animal the most, the vet or the technologist? Mm -hmm. That's another one. Mm -hmm. 
it's also one of the reasons why I personally like to be in the room when blood is drawn. I know x-rays have to be done in a specialized room. I know if my animal needs x-rays, I can't be there. But if they're going to be drawing blood and holding my animal in a fixed position to get that blood, I want to be in the room because I want to know who's working with my animal. Mm -hmm. And to add on to that, get to know the vet techs at the vet that you choose. Mm -hmm. Know who you're going to be working with or who your animal is going to be working with. Are they compassionate? Are, do they take their job seriously? Do they treat your animal with kindness? Mm-hmm. Some of these vet techs are overworked. Things can get crazy for your animal if they are crazy busy. Mm-hmm. Get to know the vet techs. It's not just the actual veterinarian that you need to have a relationship with. You need to have a, a relationship with the veterinary technicians. Yeah. As well. That's a really because they do most of the, yeah, they do most of the work with your animal. Just like a doctor only comes in and does a quick exam, it's the nurses that take care of you when you're in the hospital, not the doctor. Mm-hmm. It's the nurses. And the veterinary technologists are the nurses in the vet. Yeah. So something that I wanted to kind of add in there. Yeah, that's a really good point as well, because generally the vet tech or technician is going to be your first point of contact. It also might be the uh, the veterinary receptionist. Yeah, exactly. It's how how are they responding to you? Are they taking the time to to get to know you and find out about your pet as well? Yeah, they do tend to spend a lot more time with your pet than the vet does. The vet might be in the room with you for five, 10 minutes, depending on what needs to be done. But it's usually the vet tech who will take you into the room initially, do whatever prep needs to be done ahead of time, get you kind of comfortable and aware of what's going to happen and and that type of thing. And then they're usually the ones that will finish up with you as well. Yeah. And I, uh, I want, I just had a thought for you, all you guys out there. I know some of us are very codependent with our animal. If perchance you being in the room when they're doing things like drawing blood, if you're nervous, your animal is going to be nervous. I have a little bit more training. So my vet allows me to be in the exam room when they're doing some of these tests. But if Your animal, again, the animal is the priority, but if the animal is feeding off of your anxiousness, your nervousness, your fear, then you need to know when you need to step away. Mm -hmm. Your animal is the priority. You don't have to be a helicopter mom if you choose the bright vet. Mm -hmm. I just want to kind of sneak that in Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I have seen people who get so nervous for their animal that their animal picks up on their energy. It creates a more difficult and more traumatic experience for the animal. So be okay. I'm giving you the permission slip right now to step back 
for the health and safety and mental rest that the animal might need Mm -hmm. when it's going to the vet. I just want to shove that in there Mm -hmm. because some people get a little crazy. We don't want crazy people in the vets. When cats and dogs are getting treated for something that they have a fear of, your fear is just going to amplify that. And you're going to create a situation where it's not in the best interest of the animal. Mm -hmm. Another thing on the other side of that is I know that there are people who have insisted on holding their their cat or dog while the vet is or tech is trying to take blood or give a needle or treatment of some sort. They generally will not, they shouldn't be allowing that to happen because you might think, oh, well, I know my animal, I I can comfort it. It's going to be feeling a lot, feel more soothed if I hold it than if somebody else sees it. But the fact is, is that you're not trained to hold an animal properly when they're getting this kind of treatment done. What could end up happening is that you could end up getting bitten or scratched really badly. So generally it's refused because they want the staff that have been trained to do that. Yeah, that's a great point. Because if you get bit by your own animal in a vet, the vet is liable for that, not you. They, You should not. Even me, with the training that I have, working with animals for so many years, I'm not allowed to hold my animal. I have in the past, when I've had animals that were easy, is they taught me how to do it. But now, I am okay with just being by the head of the animal and just being the space of safety that the animal can focus on. And I let the technicians and the vet do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. It's really important. If your vet allows you to hold the animal while they're drawing blood, run, run, just run. Because there is a very specific way that the vet techs have to hold the animal So the vet can very easily and properly draw the blood. Animals, dogs and cats, their veins are kind of little. They have to focus. And you being the mom or the dad is not going to allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. So be okay with taking a step back and letting the vet and the vet techs do their job. So thank you for bringing that up. It's really, that's, yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) a big one the one thing that i want to talk about and and we're just about ready to wrap up Mm -hmm. but i also want to bring in vaccinations Mm. does your vet require over vaccination Mm. is your vet so insistent on vaccinations that they don't listen to you if you have concerns Mm -hmm. run run Some vaccinations are very, actually a lot of vaccinations are very important, but over-vaccination, at least in this country, in the United States, over-vaccination is a very real thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of animals that are being injured. And this is where that double-edged sword comes with the government being too much into the business of the veterinary clinics. Mm -hmm. The government is saying that this must be done And the vets, some of them, just follow along blindly 
and many animals are being injured. So over-vaccination is a thing. Vaccinate when they need to have their boosters. Over-vaccination is detrimental to your animal's health. And if your vet is an over-vaccinator, that is a sign to run. Mm -hmm. If they vaccinate responsibly, then that's a tick in the good box. Mm -hmm. If they're over-vaccinators, that's a tick in the bad box. Yeah. On the other side of that is if you were needing to move somewhere where the protocol is different, you're usually it's a case of if you're moving out of country, not so much between states or provinces. But if you're moving out of country and you're taking your pet with you, which we hope you would, they will often require certain vaccinations to be given in order to be accepted in that country. So sometimes you don't have a choice if you have to move. I guess your only choice is whether or not you're going to make that move or not. Yeah, that is true. And plus fact is quarantines. That as well, yes. Sometimes your animal has to be in a quarantine for like three months and they're not quarantined with you. They're quarantined with either customs or a veterinary clinic there to make sure that everything is good. Because especially, I mean, here with Canada and the United States, we don't have as many because we're landlocked. Mm -hmm. So pretty much we share the same things. But if I was to take my animals and say, move to Spain, England or move to actually even move to Hawaii. Like I cannot move my animals to Hawaii without quarantining for, I think it's, I think it's three months or it's six months because they are a waterlocked Island and they do not have the same diseases that we have on the mainland. Mm. So quarantines are definitely big. Mm -hmm. So in the whole moving thing, when you're going to choose and where to go, and that is definitely a, a big thing. You're going to have to vaccinate, but you also are going to have to probably quarantine if you are moving to a country that is not attached to the country you, pre you currently live in. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go just a couple of other questions. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it, but a couple of other things you might want to consider is how are patients evaluated before anesthesia and surgery? What is their protocol? Do they require blood work to be done? Is there other, other types of lab work or other things that they do ahead of time to make sure that your pet is healthy enough to have the, the surgery or to go under anesthesia without any real complications? I mean, there's always going to be a, some risk. Having surgery and going under anesthesia are not completely risk-free ever, but the more pre-evaluation that they do, the much higher chance that your pet is going to come out of those without any issues. And it's not always surgery because they do often go for dental dental care where they have tartar and scraped off because they're just not going to be able to stay still in order to do it while they're awake. So they have to be put under in order for that type of thing to, to be done. And the other, yeah. the other thing is, is what is their protocol for pain management? 
when they come out of a surgery or if they've got some kind of a condition that creates chronic pain or something like that, what do they do for it? Do they take in a, con- a lot of consideration with their pain medications or pain treatments on what side effects they, they might have? Yeah, that's really important. Knowing what allergies could be, if they're on other medications, knowing if the medications are going to counteract each other. Most of most vets know these things, but it's a red flag if when you ask these questions and your vet doesn't give you straight answers, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Again, I just want to emphasize that in choosing a vet, your animal must be the number one priority. Mm-hmm. And don't let any vet tell you otherwise. Mm -hmm. And don't you convince yourself otherwise. Mm -hmm. Your animal's wellness, your animal's needs, cares, concerns, because yes, the animal has concerns too. They should be priority. Mm -hmm. So if your vet is not treating your pet like a whole animal and they're treating them like a body part or a symptom that's a red flag. That's something you want to really think hard about because nobody, humans, pets, doesn't matter. We're, we're not body parts. We're not symptoms. We're not individual pieces. We're, we're whole bodies and everything is integrative. This is something that needs to be considered. If you're doing some kind of a treatment or something to the body, whether you're ingesting something or whether it's a a physical thing that's being done, it needs to be considered how it's going to affect the rest of the body. It's not just going to be just that one area that's going to be affected. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And last thing I want to bring up is the vet that you have chosen. Are they willing to give you your animal's medical records? Are they willing to share that information with you? I am one of those moms that when I have a major panel of tests done, I want to know the results. I want to see the results. I have nurses in my family. I know how to read these. My vet willingly sends me these when I ask them. That's really important. You need to have access to your animal's medical records. And there's a couple reasons for that. You want to make sure they're taking proper records. Are they monitoring the weight? Mm -hmm. Are they monitoring the numbers? What blood numbers are they monitoring? And if they are willing to share the records with you when asked, then you know the vets aren't hiding something. And then you have more security in knowing that they are doing the proper protocols Mm -hmm. and the proper record keeping to maintain a record of how the health of your animal has progressed over time. Mm -hmm. And if you move and you're changing vets, they should also be willing to give you everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have the right to your records. So if they're refusing, then you need to really question why they're refusing. Don't let them push you. Stand your ground and tell them you have the right to those records. 
and don't stick with them if they're not willing. Like that, that's one of the one question to ask right away. If they say yes, but then they don't honor that, then that, that could be something too <laughs> that you could report to the, uh, the veterinary association. Yeah. There's lots of red flags that you should run. Mm-hmm. As soon as a re- if one red flag comes up, you start to question. If two red flags come up, then you start to put on your little tennis shoes. Because if that third, that because you know, if you have two red flags, a third one's coming soon and you need to get your butt out of there and find somebody else. Mm-hmm. So important. Your animal comes first. The vet is not the end all be all of all medical things pertaining to your animal. Mm-hmm. Even though they you may are. act that way. <laughs> exactly. They, they may act that way. You are the advocate. You know, your animal, you love your animal. That is the most important thing. You're their advocate. Don't let anybody walk over you mm-hmm. and tell you you're stupid or you don't know anything or don't listen to you. And I think this episode, what the takeaway is, at least from me, the animal is your number one priority. Partnership. Partnership with your animal's veterinary team. Because there will be a team. And you need to make sure that you are comfortable with that team. And so is your animal. You're their advocate. It's up to you to make sure that your animal is taken care of in the best way possible so they can thrive. And so that is what I I believe the takeaway of this entire episode is, is advocacy, partnership, and priority. Mm -hmm. I would add to that, become really clear ahead of time what you want in a vet so that you know what to look for both when you go to the clinic, as well as ahead of time when you're looking for reviews and that reviews and testimonials and referrals to be able to get an idea of whether those vets could potentially be the right fit for you. Don't be afraid to ask as many questions as you need to ask to get the answers you need to make the informed decisions. Absolutely. Because it could very well be that vet is what's going to mean life or death for your animal. Mm-hmm. Make a list of questions ahead of time because then that way you know you don't forget what they are. Yeah, and keep this podcast in your back pocket. Seriously, we've covered an awful lot. This is the longer podcast than we normally do, I think. Uh, keep it in your back pocket. Use this as your guide. Figure out what sits with you, what resonates with you, what things that matter to you, and just be the advocate that your animal needs because your animal is depending on you and your animal needs to know that you are going to make sure that they are safe no matter what. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.